Welcome back for another episode of the Big O Podcast. As always, this episode is sponsored by Manscaped, the world's leader in men's below-the-waist grooming. Head over to manscaped.com and use the code THEBIGO20 to get 20% off your purchase plus free shipping at checkout. Today, I am joined by executive producer for the Academy Award winner, Two Distant Strangers, host of Higher Learning alongside Rachel Lindsay, and a man who vowed to repair his hairline in 2022, the legend himself, Van Lathan Jr. Van, how are you doing today, brother? <laughs> I am well, my friend. Thank you for the warm regards in that intro. I'm doing well. Happy to be here. Now, listen, I'm, I pulled that that tagline of, of the hair, not as a shot, but as, a, as an ode to the amazing Twitter count that you have, because let me tell you, when you are on Twitter and you're going like, you know, six, seven, eight tweets a minute, it gets uh -huh. crazy out there. There are just laser beams firing. And uh, I mean, it's, it's all comedic gold. I love it. Very thought provoking, very entertaining, very controversial at times. Sometimes, sometimes? sometimes you know, you think so? I, I, but I love it. I'm here for it. I got my, my popcorn ready. I got everything. I just enjoy the show. What is it like for you? In like your DMs or in your in your mentions with people on Twitter, when you come up with like a hot take on any of these you know current trends that are going on, you know it's not as bad as it used to be. I think I everything that happens in your career it happens, in my opinion, uh, along a specific timing, right? With with specific timing, especially if you can recognize it. I think sometimes what separates people. Um, is their ability to recognize the way things are happening and what you're supposed to take from it. So there's been worse points for me where people gave me shit online. And when I worked at TMZ, uh, TMZ has the most racist, misogynistic, <laughs> like completely screwed up comment section of any place. Right. And it, there was such a big audience to everything that you did at TMZ that I would just get killed. You know, <laughs> I like I would get killed. People would write in and say all kinds of things to the to the uh, to the to the contact email that they had up there. If you have questions or comments, write in. People would write in. So now anything that I get is light work. Right. It really is. It's <laughs> it, it, it's it's light work. I've I've thickened my skin in the Gladiator Academy now. So it's light work for me. I mean, listen, I'm sure, I mean, I grew up watching TMZ Live, and when I told my wife this, I was like, oh, man, I got Van, he's going to come on the podcast. And she's like, I know that name. I showed her a picture, and he's like, that guy. And I'm like, that's the yeah. guy. And then it's funny, because you get different reactions depending on who you're talking to. Then I talked to my boys, and we're, you know, we're huge fans of the Rewatchables podcast with Bill Simmons. And right. anytime you're on there, and this is kind of where, like, this sort of stemmed between us because it was the ransom podcast that uh -huh. I was listening to. And I've listened to obviously the, the ton guest boss you've done on there, but there was something that you brought up about your brother and Mel Gibson. And we're going to get into that in just a little bit, but uh -huh. I have to say, you know, your takes on the podcast on TMZ live, what on Twitter, they're great. And they they seem almost like they're calculated, but I, I have to imagine the way that you're just firing them out there, they're coming off the top of the dome. Is that is, is that pretty? Yeah, pretty they're fair? not calculated. I wish <laughs> I wish that I could be a little bit more thoughtful to some of the things I say on Twitter sometimes, but there's not a lot of calculation that goes into it. It's normally just like uh, 
sometimes you'll see something and you'll have a thought and you'll want to share the thought and you put it out there. But I don't really think, oh, I got to get off. Or I, I know people who do that, by the way. I know people who are very deliberate with their Twitter and I think that they're doing it the right way. Yeah, so I, I, I know people that know like a big event is coming up and so they'll uh, they'll get their tweet ready and have it ready to shoot off. But I don't do that. I just kind of like extemporaneously have the conversations when I'm on it. You know? And listen, I'm, kudos to you because they always seem to come in on point. And so I got to ask you, like, first things first, if given the choice, are you taking the red pill or the blue pill? It depends on which iteration of the matrix I'm in. Ooh, okay, okay. So, so let's let's let's, t- let's talk about this. Okay, it depends on which iteration of the matrix I'm in. So the matrix. I think that a lot of people don't really understand the matrix. Like people, and you know, I had the Red Pill podcast with like matrix lore, right? I'm obsessed with it. People talk about Red Pill, Blue Pill, but you have to kind of understand. Like right now, if I asked you, you've seen the matrix, I'm sure. I have. You're into the matrix, I'm sure. I'm into the matrix. Like, do you understand the six cycles of humanity in the matrix? I am not that into the matrix. <laughs> I am very like as soon as you said six, I was like, oh god damn! Like, uh, let me try to think of what six are. And I'm not gonna, I'm not here to bullshit you. I'm, I'm a very red pill, blue pill kind of guy. The 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 deep dives into it, that ain't me. But please me enlighten you, me. So let me tell you what it is. So and this is kind of another reason why the matrix resurrections uh, didn't really work. So. The six cycles of humanity, I bet you do know what they are. And when I saw when I said sorry, explain it. The six cycles six cycles of humanity in the matrix are that there have been five other versions of the one. Right. Right. Neo is the six. They destroyed the matrix five times. Yeah. Because what the Oracle, obviously the program the Oracle was created to watch over humanity, right? But also to learn from humanity to make them easier to subjugate. Because when the architect first made the matrix, it was too perfect. And people were bailed. They didn't believe it. He made the Matrix again, and uh, it that one failed too. So when they brought the Oracle in, this all gets back to my answer. They brought the Oracle in, and the Oracle, like, she observed humanity. She observed what we go through, who we are. And then uh, she decided that the best thing to do was to give humanity a choice, if even subconscious, on whether or not they would stay. Right. Right. So even if it's even if it's a subconscious choice, you have to have a choice. Right. Right. So then, obviously, when they did that, people broke out. Sure. So when people broke out, that caused an anomaly in the matrix. The matrix cannot exist with those people breaking out, crashing the software, and causing those anomalies. So what then happened was they took all of the anomalies caused by those people, and they threw them into one random person. That person is the one. That's right. So they get to the end of the cycle. And when they get to the end of the cycle, the one has a choice about whether or not he's going to go back, have his code reinserted into the matrix. They have to have that code back and start it over again. Or whether or not he's going to go and try to fight. But see, the the, the choice is really not a choice because they're going to destroy Zion at the same time. Right. Okay. So they're going to destroy Zion. If he doesn't insert his codes back into the matrix, all the people die, all of this. I'm saying all this to say that the matrix is a lot about life. And the more you know about it, 
the more you know that there isn't as much of a choice as you think there is. Right. So the the so even if you're in Zion, you're still part of the plan of the machines. Like even if you're in Zion, Zion is going to be destroyed to force the one to reinsert his code back into the matrix, right? Then come back full circle. So you're still part of the machine saint. The machines built Zion. Right. So the red pill and the blue pill, they don't matter. Like it, it, it's it's so when, when I say it depends on which iteration of the matrix you're in, what I'm saying is that like what I want to fly around with Neo and do this <laughs> stuff, sure. But the the real and I think people have to understand this. I think people have to understand this in their lives too. Red pill, blue pill is a red herring. Right. And that's kind of what happens in society too. What happens in society is they think they you they think you have a choice. They give you two things and they say you have a choice. Democrat, Republican. They say, hey, you have a choice. You, you know what I mean? Like all yeah. of these things, they, uh, America or Canada, you can choose where you're going to live, right? right. Like, and, and they give you all of these things. And these things, they're not as different as you think that they are. Because if you don't get behind what the purpose of the machines are, it doesn't matter what you choose. If you can't in some way reconfigure what the machines want to do, and th- in that case, the machines want to keep humanity enslaved. Yeah. So if if you that that's why the choice that Neo made at the end, because he was in love, changed everything. Because he was like, No, I'm gonna fuck up the plane. Right. So the only choice to make is not whether or not to be to rebel or whatever. The only choice to make is to fuck up the plane. And red pill, blue pill in the matrix, it wasn't gonna make you do that. Whichever way you chose you were still going to be a part of it until Neo. Hey, fellas. Join the global leaders in men's below-the-waist grooming and leaving 2021 behind and entering 2022 with a clear mind and clean balls. 2022 is here, and the last thing you want to be is the guy with pubes getting in your way of making this year the best one yet. 2021 sucked, and that's why Manscaped are here making a splash and upping your grooming game. Their Performance Package 4.0 is headlined by their signature lawnmower 4.0, and it's here to take down every pube in its path. Manscaped engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and an incredibly comfortable grooming experience. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. It's even waterproof. Now this tool is amazing and I'm confident using the 4.0 to leave 2021 and my gross pubes with it. Also included is the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer to whack every hair up top and feel good while doing it. Also included is the Crop Preserver and the Crop Reviver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant, moisturizer, and toner. This hygiene bundle will come with a pair of Manscaped anti-chafing boxers that'll keep your junk feeling fresh all day. The perfect package for your perfect package and going into 2022 i'm confident about smelling like a million bucks you may be asking how and i'm happy you did i use the manscaped refined cologne with the same signature scent 
that's in all of the Manscaped formulas, a great complement to your collection. Now use the code THEBIGO20 for 20% off plus free shipping when you go to manscaped.com. I'm in all confidence in smelling good this year. Join me with Manscaped by going to manscaped.com using the code THEBIGO20. Get 20% off your purchase plus free shipping. Again, happy New Year's to your balls. Link will be down below in the description. You'll thank me later. Yeah, I mean, this is this is why I love Van. You know, you ask a question and we get what's easily one of the greatest breakdowns of the Matrix. And then you brought it back to like reality. Like you brought it back to our reality, Democrats, Republicans, where you live. I, I mean, I had a whole train of thought and I'm just sitting here like, damn, Van, like keep going. And so I got to ask you then, you know, obviously you've just explained very clearly your huge fandom into the matrix. I want to know what your thoughts were when you found out that they were going to come back with the matrix, uh, resurrections and how did you feel? And then what did that movie leave you with at the end of it all? Well, so number one, I I was very excited that they were going to bring everybody back. Um, and do another movie. I think that I actually dipped more into trying to understand the lore of it okay. after I saw The Matrix Resurrections because I realized that I didn't really understand it. Gotcha. So there were a lot of things that were happening in there that I didn't really get. And I had watched the... So I think, and this is, has to do with sometimes, you know, filmmakers and how they do their things or whatever. So the Wachowskis make those Matrix movies and sure you can get into all of that shit that we just talked about and all the depth of it and stuff like that but the original movie isn't really like that the original the original movie is a sleek sexy techno cyberpunk revolution tale yep and then they built out on that and maybe they had those ideas the whole time the animatrix goes into those things like that talking about the beginning of the human and um and machine war and all of that but i guess what i'm trying to say is that like i think one reason why the matrix resurrections fail is because people don't really understand the first three movies and the reason why they don't is because i think the movies poorly executed the exposition and the the architect's soliloquy or his monologue is incredibly hard to understand right and i don't think people really got it all i think people understood hey Neo goes say Trinity, and in order to win, he has to kill Smith. But the wise, I think, got left out. And right. then this movie carries on with everyone as if everyone understood everything that happened in the other three films. Gotcha. And so I think that when I first saw it, I didn't really get it. So because I didn't really get it, it was it didn't make sense. Now the movie is still basically whack, but <laughs> it makes a lot more sense if you know the full story and, and in terms of all the lore of the original Matrix trilogy. So if Bill calls you and says, Hey, we're going to do the matrix rewatchables. Mm-hmm. And you're, what do you say to Bill? Like, Bill, we need three parts. Like we need six hours because everything you just talked about is the exact same reason why people are excited uh, for the name of it, you know, okay, they bring the Matrix back. But like you said it, not a lot of people understood the very different complex layers that the Matrix was really about and that it brought to the table. They right. saw it as Neo can fly, that right. Joe Joe Pat can 
finally taste a steak because now yeah. he's you know just enjoying the bliss of not knowing what's going on and then you have like mouser and you have all the amazing characters especially from that first movie that you really just grow to love and on face value it's this really cool kind of plugged in unplugged reality neo learning these things like a like a giant cpu and as you said then you got to peel back the layers of the onion if you want to truly get what happens later in the series. And I'll be honest, some of that stuff, a lot of that stuff gets lost on me. I just, I enjoy the flick. I enjoy the time. I enjoy the, yeah. you know, Keanu Reeves. Who, who doesn't love Keanu Reeves now? Is he, was that movie the thing that saved, I don't want to say saved his career because I don't think he had a bad career, but like, did that put him back on the path of like superstardom? Because he obviously it has solidified Bill his career. There we go. So, solidified. Be better so, word. So let's look at the movie. So Keanu Reeves, let's look at what it takes to make a like a real movie star, right? Like what it takes to make a real movie star normally. Like what I would say a real movie star would want. Okay. I would say if you're if you're a real movie star, you want a cult classic. You don't have to have this. Yeah. But I think you you want a cult classic. Okay. You want big time jump on the scene action film. Okay. Doesn't have to be action, can be adventure, can be fantasy. Basically, big box office hit. Okay, you need your blockbuster uh, movie. Gotcha. Blockbuster, blockbuster hit. And then you want, and not everybody has this, but some people have it. Like there's like, excuse me, not everybody has this, but most people have this. Then you want franchise. Okay. okay. So now most guys that are like, so take Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise would have Risky Business as kind of your cold classic. Sure. You know what I mean? Or that, that everyone has to see. He'd have his big blockbuster action movie that put him on. That would be Top Gun. Okay. And then his franchise is Mission Impossible. Right. 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 Um, or if you take, like, and then remember, this is movie star, not big leading man actor. Big right. Big leading man. I'm talking about big time action star, right? Right. So, so you have, like, Will Smith would have, uh, he actually has, he actually checks multiple block boxes. So Will Smith would have, Six Degrees of Separation as yep. your cult classic. You know what I mean? He'd have Bad Boys as his franchise, or maybe even uh, Men in Black as his franchise. Yeah. Got two franchises, right? Um, and then you could argue that the big movie that put him on was Independence Day. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I'm with, like you. That's, I'm with you. That's the one that put him in, in Independence Day. So what that did for Keanu Reeves is gave him the last movie. So Keanu Reeves has cult classic. That's Point Break. Yep. All right, everybody loved Keanu Reeves. <laughs> and by the way, in in these other gaps, these guys do good work. So you always of have course. to do good work. Keanu Reeves was a parenthood. Keanu Reeves, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. You could argue that his cult classic is actually Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I would have probably said for me, Bill and Ted uh -huh. was probably my my cult classic. Okay, you could argue that it's Bill and Ted, right? So let's say yep. let's say that's Bill and Ted, right? Even though that's like a franchise now, they got three movies to it. Yeah. So. But then his big action, big blockbuster movie that put him on speed, mm -hmm. speed, right? So he still needs the huge franchise, the iconic franchise character, the Ethan Hunt. That's what that's what the Matrix did. They gave him Neo, and they came at a point in his career when he wasn't cold at all. Like he was, it. The movie comes out when I think he's thirty nine when they make the second one, or, or forty or something like that. So he's in mm -hmm. his late thirties when these movies come out. So he's coming off speed like now. He had had some movies that had flopped, Johnny Mnemonic and all of that stuff. There were a couple that happens to people. But the reality is that 
that movie solidified the fact that he had a Star Wars-esque big time huge deal. And that put him on the next echelon. He wasn't ever searching for like that role that was going to put him like in the same vein as those guys. Now, a lot of guys can get by without this. Like Denzel Washington don't need this because every movie he makes is such a big deal. Leonardo DiCaprio don't need this. Every movie they make is such a big deal. Yeah. They don't make very many movies. But most of the time, when you're talking about a dyed in the wool leading man, big time A-list actor, male or female, you're going to need, well, mostly male in terms of franchise stuff, mm-hmm. but you're going to need those three. The one that made us love you, the one that's made us respect you, and then the one that made you a legend. Oh man, that's such a good that's such a good formula. I mean, you gave Tom Cruise, which is incredible. You gave Keanu, and then you gave you know the Denzels who who don't need it, right? It's it's don't interesting. Need it. They Denzel- have two of the three, but like not one, right? So D- D- Denzel has cult classics. Denzel has, but like also those guys are so artsy, yeah, that they don't. The box office is not really as important. Yeah, Denzel Denzel's only done one sequel in his entire career. Yeah. Right. And like to me, that's crazy. I mean, you can make a huge franchise, but he only wanted to come back because the director wanted to be there. And listen, the Equalizer was absolutely fantastic. Like, Love it. Incredible. And I make the point. I'm like, okay, if you, Van Lathan, you are you need protection. You need one guy who you know you have the mob coming after you. You got the, the Yakuza coming after you. You got the Triads coming after you. Who's the one guy that you want protecting you, movie character wise? For me, Ooh, good question. For for me, it's it's Denzel and the Equalizer because if you, I look, think I think you're right because John Wick gets his licks in, but John Wick is also shown to be susceptible. He's susceptible. He lost his dog, lost his family. Not great if I want protection. Sure, he's he not as good. A, he's not as good as an investigator and stuff. Exactly. Yeah, but Denzel, like, he can do it all. Especially in that second one where you go into the town that's about to get that's in the middle of the hurricane and he's setting yeah. up all of these different traps and he doesn't even have the high ground. And anybody who knows about, you know, Star Wars reference, you get the high ground, you right. know, now you're in a position of power. He f- still finds a way to get what he needs to get done and still saves everyone he needs to save. That's my guy. Who's your guy? Well, I would say it was actually probably the same guy. I mean, I, the only other guy I would say is maybe uh, is maybe. Um, Leslie Nielsen, Leslie Nielsen, <laughs> Leslie, rest in really? peace, rest in peace. Yeah, William Neeson from Taken. <laughs> okay, uh, uh, you know Brian, uh, like uh, from Taken, because I think he's more in the same vein. Like John Wick is A to B. Mm-hmm. He is a force of nature, right? Yeah, see target, kill targets. Sure, many targets. Yeah, yeah. but like, uh, I'm, I'm I'm blanking on his name. It's Brian. I know. Uh, whatever. Uh, so he's he, but him and Denzel, they have to actually find stuff out. Mm-hmm. So they have to know sore spots. They have to know where to stash people. If I need to be protected, and let's face it, the people that they were protecting, they came out pretty well, except for you yeah. know the lady, she died, but in, yeah. in, in the Equalizer, but uh, Ashton Sanders' character lived. Mm-hmm. You know the girl, uh, what's her face? She lived in yep. from the Chloe. first one. Yep. Chloe, and then um, uh, you know, in 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 taking, he found his daughter, and his his daughter was so good. The daughter ended up becoming like a mini taken. By the end, she was helping out. So I think those guys. Now are you getting like Queen Latifah equalizer to come save your butt uh, too, no, or are you sticking no, with no. are you sticking with Robert McCall? Nah, nah. Man. <laughs> I'm not getting, okay, I'm not. I'm not getting. 
Did not give Queen Latifah's <laughs> Okay. Shout out to her. Shout out Queen Latifah. You know, doing it big. Uh, Desert yeah. Island. You have three. Brian Mills is his name. There we go. Yeah. Desert Island. You have mm-hmm. three movies, three TV shows, and three CDs slash records that you can take with you. What are you choosing? Okay, the three movies are Return of the Jedi. Okay. It's very easy. Return of the Jedi. Mo Better Blues. Okay. Thor Ragnarok. Thor Ragnarok. Okay. Okay. So, tell you why. Mo Better Blues. I'm on a desert island. I want to remember how brilliant my people are. Mm -hmm. It is simply one of the sexiest movies ever made. It is one of the... A young Denzel Washington, Cinder Williams, Joie Lee, directed by Spike Lee. It's got jazz. It's got romance. It's got emotion. It's a perfect film. I love it. Okay. Okay. Return of the Jedi's because I'm not winning. I'm on a desert island. I want to see somebody win. So (laughs) I want to see Luke come into his own. So pick me up. And then Thor Ragnarok because I still need my action, but I want to laugh. So I don't need to take a comedy because that's funny enough. And I get some superhero <laughs> shit. Okay. Three CDs. Equimini by okay. Outcast. Equimini. Uh simply some of the greatest music ever made. It's long. It has different type of vibes to it. I can get up with it. I can get down with it. Whatever. Okay. Equimini. Okay. Uh, by Outcast. All right. Songs in the key of life. Do you want it? Okay. All right. Have to have it. Gotta have what it. you say. Gotta, gotta have, have it. it. Hey, that's okay. I don't like, I don't like, I don't like, I don't gotta have it. Okay. Last one might, might shock you. System of a Down. Steal this album. Okay. Let me, let me try to unpack this. We got Outcast. Banger. Banger album. Yeah. Know yeah. it. Love it. I'm with it. Then you go Stevie Wonder. Yeah. Again, Stevie Wonder's a gem. Like that his music, incredible. Yeah. But yeah. one of one of these is not like the other. System yeah. of a Down. Please explain yes. this one. I love him. Okay. I think Serge has one of the greatest voices of any rock front man ever. I think the music is high octane. The music is topical. Uh, it gets you going. When they want, they can harmonize and give you melodies that a lot of other hard rock and metal bands can't do. Okay. They got a they got a hell of a fastball and a really di- curveball. Sometimes you could aerials is the kind of song I can wake up to, yeah, go to sleep to. I can get all when I when I'm jammed up and I'm, I'm on the island. I need to hunt, play psycho. You okay. know what I mean, and get and, and, and get the adrenaline flowing. Yeah, system of a now. Probably, probably my favorite, my favorite rock band. Chop Suey, all of these guys, all, all of yeah. that stuff. I love I'm it. with it. I listen. I everyone. I've played EA Sports video games. I grew up in a time where this kind of stuff was <laughs> on a lot of soundtracks, and you're like, you never know the full album, but you're always like, oh, I re- I remember this big shiny tunes was like a, a, a cd compilation that our local our mtv we called it much music our mtv would put out oh, once I, a year i've listened to much music before yeah so there you go they used to come up with like big shiny tunes and that was like the year 
and like 20 greatest songs of the, of, the, of the year. And they were always, you always get one of those songs from like System of the Down on that. So, okay. Well, the only problem is that Ariel's isn't on that album. I love right. that album, but you know, but it, but the reality is that I, I'd, I'd still pick still, the, still this album, even though I still pick yeah. still this album. I still pick. Yeah. All right. Three TV shows. Oh, three TV shows. So obviously The Wire. Yeah, of course. Um, I don't want to be, I don't want to be cliche, but I'm going with The Sopranos, man. Okay. Like I, like I don't want to The Wire, The Sopranos. <laughs> Maybe I'll do The Wire, The Sopranos, Breaking Bad. <laughs> uh, um, and Martin. Okay. Okay. I got a laugh, bro. I'm on the island. I'm not gonna get. I can't be the wire. The Sopranos is gonna have me down in the dumps. Oh yeah. I gotta have Martin. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh man. So one of one of the one of my favorite things. Obviously, I love listening to podcasts when uh-huh. when the ringer announces that you and Jamel Hill getting together and down in the uh, down in the hole, deep dive yeah, on the wire. The yeah. Holy moly. I rewatched that show I think two times before episode one dropped. And then like the first I want to say the first six episodes, you guys are like finding your groove. When you right. find that groove, when you put it into that like fifth gear, that podcast is the best side by side to any TV show movie breakdown. Oh, you, I man. I put it up against the rewatchables in the sense that like you find yourself on a weekly basis watching episodes or even sometimes two episodes to get ready for the podcast. And even then, when you know how you and Jamel are thinking and what you're going to go through, you still miss stuff and you pick it up and you break it down in a way that as fans, you just, you love it because you really get to share the love. Everyone who watches the wire more than once loves the wire. Uh-huh. Because I, I'll be, I'll be honest. Season two, the first time I watched it, one of the hardest seasons to get through. You have season it one that comes up the first time you watch it, but comes I come back and I'm fire. like, I'm, I love it. I'm, I'm, it's, I'm, I'm amazed by it. I was, I didn't have this open mind that I needed to yeah. enjoy it, but it's amazing. Yeah, you're like, we meet all these amazing characters. Season one, then season two, we're like, we're on a dock. We're right. like, dead bodies are showing up in shipping containers, and then all of a sudden, on the second, third rewatch, you're like, this might be the best season. Like it's right. one of the better seasons, um, so I loved it. What was that experience like? You breaking down easily one of your favorite shows with someone as talented and who shares the same passion and love as Jamel Hill. Man, I'm not gonna lie, bro. At that point, it really was very important to saving my sanity. Okay, because we were in the throes of the pandemic at that point, mm-hmm. and having something to, to focus on. Like that show, that show was amazing. And Jamel is such a consummate professional and so good at everything that she does. I was uh, very, very happy to be able to do that with her. And it was a labor of love. And it's something that stands there that people can go back and start up as a companion piece with The Wire whenever they want to watch The Wire. So I'm happy to have done it. Like as much as I love that show, I never thought I would get paid to watch it, but I did. So it's, it's, it was an amazing feeling. Now, if if Bill says, "Hey, Van, we want to bring you back for one more. Any show you ever want outside of the wire, because you've already done it. Is there another show that would get you to feel the same way as you did as the companion podcast for the Wire? Maybe The Sopranos. Okay, because The Wire is a better show than The Sopranos, but The Sopranos is still my favorite show of all time. Okay. The Wire is better than The Sopranos, but 
The Sopranos is just more entertaining. And I think there's so many things to talk about, especially now having some age on me and being able to go back and reflect on some of the things that were going on there. Yeah. Um, the Sopranos is a show I would definitely like to take a look back at for sure. Interesting. That was one of the shows during the pandemic that I rewatched again because I had seen it in bits and pieces at my age and at that time. But man, that show was something. Like it really, Crazy, right? it, it really, really was. It was so well done, mm-hmm. and the antihero of of Tony Soprano as a character was just mm-hmm. something to marvel at. Now, obviously, when you have um, the Red Pill podcast, then you go join the Ringer. And you start to do higher learning, start to do uh, Way Down in the Hole, uh, companion podcast for The Wire. You get this creative freedom, and it really seems to emanate in how relaxed you seem. How has your experience at The Ringer been in relation to other places of work that you may have experienced? And is Trudy going to get a podcast? Ah, Trudy might get a podcast. That would be great. <laughs> Trudy's amazing. Um, I love my time at the Ringer. Uh, I think that it was serendipitous that me and the Ringer found each other because I do what they do and they do what I do. So right. um, you don't want to be like I, I wear a lot of hats and have a lot of interests. So you don't want to be pigeonholed into talking about just one thing. Right. Um, and I'm at a place where I get to talk about a different thing every time I turn my mic on. So I absolutely love what I have going at the ringer. I think it's an amazing place to work. Um, Bill, Mal, uh, Chris, Sean, you know, Juliet, everyone there that, that kind of keeps things, keeps the, the, the train on the track. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. There's some really, really talented people there. Michael Ferris, you know what I mean? Logan Murdoch, Charles Holmes, all my Midnight Boys, you know, of course, Rachel Lindsay. And, I, and I'm working with a lot of, just to be honest with you, I'm working with a lot of dope-ass Black people on my podcast. Yeah. Like, like seriously, you, you know? So uh, it's, it's a lot of fun for me. You and Rachel have this chemistry. Yeah. And I want to say chemistry, but I don't even think it's a word that truly describes the connection that you two have. But you... For anyone who hasn't listened to Higher Learning, we can talk about things like farting as a hang-up in dating. We can talk about uh, all sorts of different hygiene issues and then still break down social topics of what's going on and probably all within a five-minute segment of each other. What is that like, having someone who you can just go back and forth with and know that regardless of whatever you say or how outrageous the take may be, Rachel's going to just fire it right back and keep you on your toes. It's one thing to be smart, but it's another thing to be game. (laughs) Okay. I think a lot of people are smart, right? I think a lot of people can talk, but you got to be up for it. You got to be game. We talk about that in boxing. If you have a game opponent, Yep. opponent who wants to make a fight doesn't matter whether or not they're overmatched or not they want to make a fight that's going to make sure that everybody is entertained by watching the fight and rachel is insanely smart but she's also game she's down for it wherever you want to go whatever you want to talk about she's never going to she's not going to shy away from anything she's not going to bristle at anything she's there for it and that more than anything is the important thing to have a good pod if you ask me yeah so it's been relatively positive to this point, but I would be silly not to bring up 
some challenging moments that usually happen around this time of year for sports teams. Sure. And I mean, looking back, you had an opportunity to go to the Super Bowl not too long ago. Yeah. And probably one of the most egregious non-calls ever to happen in a pivotal moment in your season Uh happens. What is it? Does that still haunt you? Because as I'm a Patriots fan and anytime that the either Mario Manningham TD uh, or catch happens or the David Tyree helmet catch happens, I turn it off. Like I got PST uh, and it's, it's so bad. What is it like for you when you see that happen and know that you should have been the team that played in a Super Bowl? It's, it, it's, it hurts. It's a disgusting pit <laughs> of the stomach feel because it's like nothing you can do. Yeah. It's like there's nothing I can do. If you look over on this other wall right here, I don't know if you can see it. I got a Willie Rofe jersey. Okay, there we go. So... Saints all-timer, Hall of Famer, Willie Rowe, and, of course, the Kansas City Chiefs. Shout out to the Rowe Rowe family. They love me, and I love them. But it's like a a sinking (laughs) fucking hell of grief. (laughs) Now, were there things that we could have done to pull that game off? Hell, yeah. Sure. But the reality is we were right there. And if the refs do their jobs, we're probably going to the Super Bowl. So it's very, very tough. But I can tell you one thing. As a Saints fan, it's not like we haven't been there before. We have had our hearts ripped out of our chests way too many times. So, you know, a couple daiquiris, you'll get back on top of things. <laughs> <laughs> now, obviously, you know, your team and my team are at very different roads than we were just, you know, three years ago. You know, you had Drew Brees, you had Alvin Kamara, you have arguably one of, at the time, maybe the best wide receiver in the game, Michael Thomas. Uh-huh. And you were thinking, Drew's got to get one more. Yeah. And then he's gone. Mm-hmm. And then you got famous Jameis, who's mm-hmm. loving his crab legs. You got a wide receiver, running back, quarterback. We don't really know what he is right now. And I think, didn't you have uh, Taylor Heineke as, as one of your quarterbacks this year as well? Washington. Washington. Who am I thinking of? Who was the backup to the backup? You're thinking of, uh, you're thinking of uh, Trevor Simeon. Trevor Simeon. I don't know why yeah. I missed it, mistook that, but right. you had Trevor Simeon. Right. What is it like now for you as a Saints fan? Are you saying, all right, we had our run, and now it's time that we're going to go through some third-place, fourth-place finishes in the NFC South, and then hopefully we'll be back? Or do you think that you're a piece or – too away from getting back to the glory that you know that that city of New Orleans needs? Oh, we're definitely a piece or two away. Okay. It's just that there's some really important pieces. Like a quarterback? Yeah, like a quarterback, right? So, and, you know, we don't know what Jameis is capable of. Maybe he is capable. Maybe he gets better. Maybe that's in his future. But maybe it's not. But Michael Thomas didn't play at all this year. We we still could get Michael Thomas back, you know? Um, We were one... 49ers victory away from actually making a playoffs this year. So we were right there despite everything that happened this season. And and look, if you're really being honest, we were right there to almost make the playoffs. We had a terrible loss to the Giants. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? A really bad loss at home to the Falcons at the end of the game. So and it was a really weird season for the Saints. So if you're a Saints fan, 
I guess the question that you're asking yourself is, what type of quarterback play is going to make the Saints a Super Bowl team? Are you going to need elite quarterback play? Because we're years away from elite quarterback play. Right. Because if even if Jameis Winston is going to become an elite quarterback, which he's had elite numbers in the past, if he's going to become an elite quarterback, then it's going to take a couple of years in Sean Payton's offense for him to really get command of it and control of it. And having him get hurt this year was maybe the worst case scenario because maybe next year would have been that year, but we're right. kind of back to ground zero. And even if in a mock draft, I saw Mel Kuyper had the Saints draft and Kenny Pickett. Even if you pick up a Kenny Pickett, then you're still going to wait for that guy to develop. And that's going to take a little while, you know? And Kamara's getting putting tread on the tires and all of that stuff like that. So the only thing that would change this is if you're looking to an offseason where you have a chance in an Aaron Rodgers, which doesn't seem likely now, or if you have a chance at a Russell Wilson, which seems a little bit more likely than Aaron Rodgers, but still not super likely. So you're if you're a Saints fan, you're you're asking yourself, how good do we have to be at quarterback to be a legit Super Bowl team? And if you're looking around the league, the answer is very damn good. Like very damn good bordering on legend when you yep. look at the quarterbacks that are left in it. I mean, Joe Burrow's not there yet, but he's ascending. Then you have Tom Brady. Then you have uh, fucking Matt Stafford, who I'm not crazy about. Yep. Um, but you have all of these guys, and you know, obviously Aaron Rodgers, who not aren't just greats now. Yeah. You could argue that some of these guys, I mean, obviously Brady and Rodgers are all-time great. Yeah. So if you need quarterback play on that level, uh, then you know the Saints. The Saints are some time away, but not from being a good team, right. but from being a Super Bowl caliber team. And by the way, we play so well against Brady. Remember, yeah. last year the Saints won the division. Yeah. So we play so well against Brady that uh, with the competent QB, we might still be able to to to, to win the South. You know, you just don't know. I lost. Uh, I lost a bunch of money in those two Saints games this year. So. Ooh. Was not was not great, especially when there's not a starting quarterback on it's an elite people. level, and they're mm-hmm. finding ways to not allow Tom Brady to score at all, which was absolutely ri- like ridiculous. Oh my lord! But I th- I think Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, those are the guys. But I think Ryan Tannehill from the Tennessee Titans has to give you hope that hey, if we have an elite running back, if we have some good wide receivers, but if we have a good defense. Nah. We have a shot. We gotta we gotta take it to the dance. And now yeah, but, they're, but they're not gonna do nothing. <laughs> I, I, I think Tennessee they, they, wins this week. I think Tennessee I think they go to the AFC championship. Okay, and, and they they go to the AFC championship and they, they might go to the AFC championship. They're they're I would be shocked if, if they can beat a Kansas City uh in, in the AFC. Wait a minute, who does who does Tennessee play this week? Since he plays, uh, they play since Tennessee. He play, since, he, since he plays Tennessee, okay, so they'll they might fuck around and lose that game. Yep. But I I don't think they will. But they might fuck around and lose that game. And so, um, but for a guy like Ryan Tannehill in this kind of passing, out, Ryan Tannehill's a more than capable quarterback. No shade to Ryan Tannehill, but for a guy like Ryan Tannehill to win a championship uh, in this era, I'd have to see. It. Well, they get Derrick Henry back, and I, that's the only yeah. reason to giving them a shot, right? Is because he's absolute stud. He Once led again, an all timer, all timer. Yeah, Julio Jones, who was not really in Tennessee, but they have a, they have an opportunity. I think, I think, I think they can fuck around and and, and win 
cost Vegas a lot of money. I think they're, I think they're gonna they're gonna surprise a lot of people. I picked them to actually go to the Super Bowl preseason, so I'm looking kind of nice right now. But we'll see. D- don't sleep on Tennessee. Don't sleep on Tennessee. Um, okay, quick word association game with you. I'll list someone. You tell me the first thing that comes to your mind as to what they'll be remembered for. Some right, of these names. We t- some of these names we talked about already, but Denzel Washington, King, Britney Spears. Bill Simmons. Mogul. Kevin Feige. Genius. Drew Brees. Problematic. Mel Gibson. Scumbag. (laughs) Kanye West. Tortured. Kim Kardashian. Player. Last but not least... Van Lathan Jr. Trying. I like it. I like it. Now, I threw Mel Gibson in there because I wanted to see just how far the fire was burning. And it's still burning hot. Like, it's it's like 17 coals in a Back to the Future try to get up to 80 kilometers an hour type of fire right now. You said that you felt conflicted. Maybe I'm paraphrasing. But when talking about Ransom, just at how good and how iconic some roles Mel Gibson had been in. Mm-hmm. You know, we can look at Braveheart, we can look at Ransom, we can look at the Lethal Weapon series as mm-hmm. a whole. And that's not even scratching the surface with Mel. Not even close, yeah. But you said you wouldn't introduce your younger brother to any of Mel's movies. Right. Because of, as you call them, scumbag. Obviously, has said very terrible, terrible, unforgivable things. Uh-huh. Does your brother lose out on an opportunity to see some of the great films? And is there any way, any way that you think that you could be able to separate the scumbag human being for the artist of an actor in the movie? Of course you can. But let me tell you something that happened to me. Okay. Old man Van's going to tell you a story. I'm spinning you a yard. Of course you can. All right. <clears throat> when I, my dad, rest in peace my father, passed away last year. My dad, um, when I was a kid, we used to watch all of these big time westerns, right? We would watch Rio Bravo. You know, we'd watch uh, The Good, The Bad, The Ugly. We'd watch... Uh, there was one with this guy. You know, you watch Shane and all that shit. Trinity was one that my father loved about this mm-hmm. old, like, super bratty-looking guy who was super fast on the draw. But, you know, the real Bravos and the True Grits and those, you'd watch them, and my dad would be like, there's John Wayne. He's a superhero. Like, that's John Wayne. You know, he's a superhero. He's a man's man after all that stuff. So I watched John Wayne, and my whole time, John Wayne's a superhero. Right. Now, notwithstanding the Public Enemy song that said, fuck him and John Wayne, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Elvis Presley and stuff like that. Just first put it in your brain. I think get a quote where John Wayne says, and I'm close to the quote, but I'm not going to get it exactly. He says, I believe in white supremacy to blacks uh, have evolved enough to be able to govern themselves. Okay. 
That's a quote out of John Wayne's mouth. It's a tough one, right? I feel dirty. I feel dirty that's a, that's a tough one, right? Yeah. So that happens. And I look at my dad and my dad, did you know he said that? And he's like, no. And I'm like, well, how does it make you feel having supported this guy like all of these years? Knowing that that's how he felt about you and yours. He's going, my dad goes, it feels all fucked up. Now, look, man, I'm not saying I don't enjoy, I, I don't have a relationship with Mel Gibson's movies that I like, right? That Lethal Weapon. And I'm also not saying that I'm one of these people that says someone at their lowest point or worst point has to be judged by that for the rest of their life. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is that Mel Gibson said, to Oksana, that if you leave and you get raped by a pack of niggers, that'll be your fault. I'm saying that Mel Gibson said that the Jews were responsible for all the wars in the world. I'm saying these are things that Mel Gibson said. And then not yeah. only that, but Mel Gibson knocked the woman's fucking teeth out of her mouth. So yeah. what I'm strikes. saying is that as good as Braveheart is, as good as Lethal Weapon is, Lethal Weapon 2, Lethal Weapon 3, Lethal Weapon 4, I even enjoyed. I'm a Mel Gibson fan. As good yeah. as Ransom is, as good as Air America is, you know what I mean? Um, some of the other movies that Mel has made, Payback. Payback, as good yeah. As, as, as good as all of these movies are, and they are great. Those are all great films. Fuck them. Like it's not it, it's not that big of a deal. I also love mm -hmm. the Cosby Show. So 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 yeah. the re the reality is, if one day he tells me how dope *Lethal Weapon* two is, and I love that movie, I'll turn it off when it comes on at all. I'll watch that bitch. Yeah, I'll, I'll finish that movie. You know, what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? I'll watch it. <laughs> but as as dope as it, I just don't. It's just not. It's not to me, it's a, to me that, to introduce him to the movies is to say, hey, this guy's like, nah, it's, I mean, he's not missing out on any seminal art. There's, there is, right. we can get to, we can get to talking about art made by terrible people that we just have to ingest no matter what, because it's too important. Um, it's, it's too important to the, to what movies are, what like, even Birth of a Nation, a movie that is yeah. a disgusting movie by D.W. Griffith. It's a movie that still it, it marks a significant a significant technology jump yeah. in filmmaking. So you have to, for 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 context, not have actually sat through the whole thing, but at least know about it. You right. can't tell the history of film without telling the history of that movie. And it's interesting that in the first movie that they were able to tell all of that shit, they used it to kick niggas and they bats for whatever. But like it it that movie is a footnote in history that you cannot skip over. It's just too important. I don't think Mel Gibson has made a movie that's like that. So right. he, might, he, might, he might get a little less enjoyment. You might not get to enjoy Thunderdome or Mad Max or The Road Warrior, but I think we'll be okay. Uh, Apocalypto ain't doing it for you? I wasn't that bad. <laughs> but it's not I mean, I'm seven. I'm you like that. <laughs> That was okay to me. Like people, people didn't like it. I kind, I kind of fucked with it a little bit. But not seminal art that it's like you got to see this. It's not something that like, it's not like The Godfather. 
Hey, like if, if 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 it if it comes out tomorrow that Francis Ford Coppola has some mean tweets, we still gotta watch The Godfather. You know, yeah. what I mean? it, it, The Godfather is just. And by the way, in The Godfather, there is hella racist shit. Hella in racist. Hella racist in shit in the movie, but the movie is just too important to film. It's like it's difficult for you to be taken serious as someone who really loves film and to say that you've never seen one, two, one or two, three, whatever. But you have to, you have to watch The Godfather, right? Three doesn't exist. Like, not it's uh, I. When people ask me what's your favorite series, I say Godfather one and two. <laughs> my, my two favorite movies of all time, one hundred percent, two favorite movies all time. That's what I will take with me to the desert island. I don't even need a third one, but. I mean, it, it's interesting because even the, even the Sopranos, the Sopranos has a, a part where Polly is first dating Adriana, and uh, Adriana's uncle comes in, and Adriana's beaten up and bruised, and he says, "Listen, I'm never gonna step between like a, a man and his wife, but if you're gonna put a hand on her, you make sure that you put a ring on her first. Richie April said that sitting down Richie. in front of Satriels. Yeah, and, and I was like, Chris, yeah, he says, like, Damn. Gonna, yeah, he's gonna say." He's, that because Adriana was Richie's niece, he goes, yeah. yeah if you're if you're gonna put a if you're gonna put your hands on her, uh, put a ring on her finger, then I gotta step out of it. And that was the beginning of the rift between, like Chris, Chrissy, Chris never liked Richie, and Richie never liked Chris, and that was yeah. the first scene. And Richie, Richie was gonna be okay for Adriana's sake. He wasn't gonna like it. It wasn't gonna feel good. It wasn't gonna taste good. It wasn't gonna smell good. But he right. would have understood. But Chris would never be able to. Chris yeah. had to win in that situation. There was no way he was going to take a loss. And I mean, again, we could oh, shit. We could talk Sopranos for for hours. Sopranos, absolutely love it. Listen, if 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 Bill gives you the green light and says, "Hey, you have not even full companion," I'm going to give you 30 episodes to break down the Sopranos. Bill Sims is going to be a very smart man. So, Bill, uh, I know you're an avid listener and watcher of this podcast right here. Make sure that we get that from Van in 2022. Van, I appreciate the time that you took to be here with me today. You are a man of your word. I very much enjoyed it. So much still left to talk about, but hopefully we can do it another time. I'll come um, back. I love it. Um, yeah. I mentioned it off the top. Greatest Twitter follow, at least that I can think of because I enjoy that shit. Where can people find all of your social media and your podcast? Uh, give us a quick roundup of where people can find you if they want to follow for more. I'm like Marlo. My name is my name. <laughs> at Van Lathan on Twitter. At Van Lathan on Instagram. Um, we, we're doing Higher Learning with Van Lathan and Rachel Lindsay on Tuesday and Friday. We're doing Ringerverse, Midnight Boys, Pew Pew. Wednesday morning and whenever stuff is dropping. So please check in with us. Follow all of those socials. Follow at Ringiverse on Instagram, Twitter, um, and on Reddit and Facebook and Higher Learning on Instagram and Twitter and our Thought Warriors on Reddit. Thank you so much, guys. For thank you so much, Big for letting me for letting me uh, join you today, man. Yeah, we will make sure we pin all of those uh, handles sites in the comments. Make sure that you guys follow everything that Van's doing. The big old podcast also available on Apple Podcasts. So make sure you subscribe, leave a review, five-star rating. Also available on Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast with full video episodes up on YouTube. So make sure that you subscribe and hit that notification button to keep up to date with all future episodes. For my guest, the amazing Van Lathan, 
greatest matrix breakdown i think i've ever heard i don't think i'll ever hear anything better thank you so much for joining me i'm your host julian ortiz thank you for watching and listening everyone see you next time